John chapter 14, verses 15 through 25, and it says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me... He will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, just thanks for your word. Just thanks again for the chance to get together at the beginning of the week to worship you. Lord, thanks for this church. Lord, thanks for the Holy Spirit. I pray you help us to understand him better this morning. And to focus our hearts and minds on the work that he's doing in our lives. And I pray the Holy Spirit you would just work. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, three weeks ago, when we started the series on Behold Our God, I said a quote from A.W. Tozer. says, The man, and I added, the man or woman who comes to a right understanding of God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. The man or woman who comes to a right understanding of God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems, which is huge for us, because just like the disciples in John 15 or John 14, they were troubled. Jesus was getting ready to leave them. Everything they had hoped and thought they knew was changing really quick. They were troubled, and the truth is we are often troubled as well, which is why I thought at the beginning of the year, we would just take some time to look at God. And to behold our God, because that's what we need in times of troubles. And so we spent three weeks doing that. We're going to spend the last week looking at the Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage you to continue with this. So I just wanted to mention three books that would help you. And I just encourage you to take them and maybe pick one of them and just read it or listen to it this year. They're classics. The first one is Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Uh, Knowing God by J.I. Packer is an excellent book to help you um, hear more about God. And the other book I wanted to mention was Desiring God by John Piper. When I was 22 years old, I was on a mission trip in Romania for 10 weeks, and I had a lot of time in the backseat of a car with a missionary that I was with, and was picking up different people, traveling around with them. They spoke Romanian to each other the whole time. I didn't understand anything. So I randomly picked up a book off of his bookshelf, thought, I got some time, I'll read. So I picked up, never heard of this book before in my life, Desiring God by John Piper. 
And it blew my mind in the backseat of driving around Romania. It blew my mind about the greatness of God, and it deepened my love for him like no other book outside of the Bible has. I often think that I'm still a Christian, I'm still in the faith, and I'm still in, I'm in ministry. Because the input, input that that book had my life at 22 years old, and it blew my mind how the greatness of God is. I would encourage you to check that one out. And the next one would be The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, or this one, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. I have all three of them. You can borrow them. I'd also encourage you to get them for like 99 cents on Amazon, or you can get them on audio. All of them are on audio. Everybody tells me, I can't read, Paul. I don't read. Well, you can listen, and all these books are now on audio. I actually encourage you to get them that way. Um, Because I've listened to them all on audio now, and I actually enjoy that better. But all three of those will help you and help us as a church this year, I think, deepen our understanding of God. And the man or woman who comes to a right understanding of God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. Because the Bible says God reveals himself to us. In the beginning, God, it says in Genesis. But Genesis chapter 2 says this. In the beginning, God... But verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The second verse of the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. And it says the Holy Spirit, which is often in the Old Testament, he's, looked at like, he's talked about like the breath or the wind or just the movement of God. In the second verse of the Bible, God revealed himself as the Spirit. And through church history, and even in different churches, there's two views of God, the Holy Spirit. There's this obsession that people have with the Holy Spirit. That they just, everything's, that everything's, are, uh, just, everything's about the Holy Spirit, and there's a great obsession with Him. Or, there's a, often in churches, a rejection of the Holy Spirit. We don't really understand Him, and, and so there's kind of a rejection. But this morning... From John chapter 14, I just wanted to do a foundational, focused look at the Holy Spirit. As I started this, this week, I I was looking at the Holy Spirit, studying it, and I thought, we need to talk more about the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I'm just going to do a foundational, focused look. And this summer, we're going to spend about four or five weeks looking at the Holy Spirit and different passages and different aspects of the Holy Spirit for us. Why is it important that we behold God, behold the Father, behold the Son, and behold the Holy Spirit? A.W. Tozer said also, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And we have to be very careful about how we view God and make sure we have a right understanding and a right view of God because there's all kinds of Things out there that are trying to get us to have a perception of God that are not accurate. And there are movies, books, and all kinds of things that are trying to make our view of God what they want it to be. And we need to make sure we have a right view of God. We need to be very careful not to let a movie or a book mold our view of God, but collect our view of God from the revealed word of God. 
The Holy Spirit is the first power. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit is the first power we practically experience. But it's the last power that we come to understand, someone said. The Holy Spirit is the first person that we the first power we practically experience when it comes to God, but it's often the last power that we understand. So this morning we're just going to look at who is the Holy Spirit, what is, what is it the Holy Spirit does, and how do we relate to the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit does, and how do we relate with, or how do we participate with the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples. He just dumped on them the fact that he's going away. And they are very troubled. And John 14, 15, and 16 is the last few things that Jesus says to his disciples. And it's very loaded, but he's saying it to very troubled people who are losing their friend, they're losing their Savior, they think they're not sure what's going to happen to them. And in that context of trouble and concern, Jesus talks to them about the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that we need to know about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is a person. And Jesus talked to them about it in that way in verse 17. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. And then in verse 25, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, he will, who he will send in my name, he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible talks about it as a he. Not as some force that some people think of him as. This this magical, mystical force that's out there. He's not a fictional space story. You know, we don't say, I am one with the force and the force is with me. It's not the rogue one. That's not how we're supposed to look at the Holy Spirit. We, We look at the Holy Spirit, he's a person, the Bible says. And there's just one Holy Spirit. There's not hundreds of Holy Spirits. There's not multiple Holy Spirits. The Bible says there is one Holy Spirit and He is a person. In Ephesians 4.30 it says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. In Hebrews 10.29 the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, can be insulted. And in Romans 15 the Holy Spirit can love. A force can't do that. You, uh, You can't grieve a force. You can't insult a force. Force can't love, but a person can. It's very important we constantly remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit is a person. That's how Jesus talked about him. That's how the Bible talks about him. He is a person, but he's also God. He is part of the Trinity. Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12 says this. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For he who knows a person's thoughts, except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God, except the spirit of God. Now we have have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus talked about him in John 14 as himself. Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Father, and he's going to send you another helper. And this helper is, when you have the helper, you're going to have me. It says, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And he's talking about himself, which 
brings us into the Trinity. Our view of God has to continually be, as it's revealed in Scripture, as Trinitarian. Or there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's not the Father. But there's one God, three persons. That's how God has revealed Himself in Scripture to us, and it's very important that we know that if you don't have that grasp of God, you don't have the God of the Bible. In Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, the early church, they came up with a scheme to try to make themselves look good. And they lied, and they came up to Peter. And Peter says to them, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to people, but to God. The Holy Spirit is a person, and He is God. And he's a very important person of the Godhead for us to know. J.R. Packer said the Holy Spirit is God the evangelist. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the earth, the Bible says He's, he's hovering over there, it's almost like He's just ready to go. And he's always been ready to go. He's the one that was sent out constantly to, to move the movements of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He, he is the one who helps us know who God is and helps reveal himself to us to God. But he's very relational. The Holy Spirit is personal. But how is the Holy Spirit relational? And how is he personal? What is it that he does that helps us to see God and to know Him, and to know the person of the Holy Spirit. What is it that the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit reveals God to us, and reveals God's desires for us. Jesus said that He was the Spirit of truth, in verse 17. I'm going to send you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. And then in verse 25, it says, the Spirit of truth, He's going to teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhood who the Bible says actually wrote the Bible. Second Peter one twenty one says, Knowing, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men of God spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And 2 Timothy says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The breathing out is spoken by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one who wrote the Bible, guided men to write the Bible. And He wrote the Bible to reveal to us who God is. He teaches us who God is. He's the author of the Bible. He's the Spirit of truth. He helps us to know Him. He's God. And the things that the Holy Spirit does, and what I'm going to say that He does in a few minutes, only really matters if you know God. If you don't know God, you can know all about the Holy Spirit and it not help you. The question that we have to ask first is, do you really know God? Do you really know that your sin separated you from God? 
that you're morally corrupt in yourselves. There's nothing good in you. You wouldn't seek God on your own. And the just wrath of God is on you. And it was good and right for the wrath of God to be on you. But the good news is that God wanted to rescue you. And he sent Jesus to save you. By coming onto earth and living the life we could not live, dying the death we could not live, went to the cross, took on our sins, all the guilt that we deserved, all the punishment that we deserved was given on Jesus so that we would not have to suffer it for those who trust and admit and believe. And if you've done that, if you've seen Jesus for who he is, if you've trusted in him, if you believe in him, you've asked God, to forgive you, and you've looked to Jesus, and you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone. That's why the Bible says that's how you know God. That's how you can have a relationship with God. But if you don't know that, or you've never seen yourself spiritually bankrupt, and you think that you can do some things to help God approve of you, you don't know God. We want you to know God. I'd love to talk to you after the service about knowing God. Or maybe you've heard about God all your life. And you're in 6th grade or 7th grade. Or 8th grade. Or ninth grade or 10th grade. Or 12th grade or in college. And you sat in church Sunday after Sunday. But you've got questions about God. You don't really understand everything that you hear. You're not really sure about Christianity. And you've got some doubts and you've got some concerns. We want you to know. Those doubts and concerns are normal and they're okay. And we want you to know God. Don't carry them without asking. The only dumb question that it is with Christianity and with God is the question that's not asked about. If you have any questions about, do you really know God? Have I really understood who the gospel is? Am I really trusting in Jesus? Ask the question. Don't sit and sit and hear and gain knowledge and not really know God. Because what the Holy Spirit does for us, Jesus said, is he is our advocate. Verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. There's a lot of different translations and a lot of different Bibles about how this word and what it means. Some translate it as helper. Some translations say comforter. Some say counselor. Some say friend. Some say advocate. And they're all trying to translate the word from Greek paraclete, which means to call alongside of. And it's a hard word to translate. So all these different translations of the Bible have used different words to say, hey, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says he's going to send a helper. He's going to send a comforter. He's going to send a counselor. He's, what he's sending is an advocate. Because some of these things don't really help us. He's more than just this nice little helper. He's more than just this comforter. The Holy Spirit's more than just a snuggie that nobody ever uses anymore. You know? When the snuggies were huge, I have one. thought it was great, nice comfort. Never use it. You can have a comforter and never use it. We need more than a comforter. So it means more than just this comforter. He's, he's more than a counselor. He's not a camp counselor, you know? We're just out there having a good times all the time. He's not really even a marriage counselor. There's more to the Holy Spirit than that. He's more than a friend. 
The word that is, I think, the most helpful is he is a he's the paraclete. He's the one who's called alongside for us. He's our advocate in a very legal sense. He's our advocate to God, and he's advocate who points us to the truth. He's like a legal advocate. He's like a lawyer for us. Well, we, as followers of Christ, if you know Jesus, if you've been called, if you've been saved, Satan will come and say, hey, remember, you're not a follower of Jesus. I know what you did this week. I know what you did 20 years ago. I remember how your life was. You're not really a Christian. And those fears can come up, and doubts can come up, and we say, am I? And we have to look to the Holy Spirit who is our advocate, he's our lawyer legally. And he stands before Satan, and he'll say, no, the, they were, they were, they're mine. He was bought with the blood of Christ. Their sins are washed away as far as the east is from the west. Look what Jesus did for them. He is ours. And he's also our advocate to God for us. So we still sin. We still struggle with sin. And he advocates for us, says Jesus' blood covered them. And we are ours. He's our advocate in the legal sense, and we want that, don't we? We want the best of that, don't we? There's a TV show I was watching where it was a cop who spent his life putting criminals away. And the episode was his daughter was going, had some drug problems. She was getting ready to go to jail. And he didn't want her to go to jail. And so what he did was he went out, and the, in the previous episodes, they just a defense lawyer who he, he did not like. Because when she was in the, the show, and she was taking care of the cases, she would get these scumbags off by some little parts of the law, and he didn't like her. But when it came time for his daughter to have the best possible advocate, he went out and got that defense lawyer. Because he wanted the best he could get. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He is our advocate before God and before Satan. He's our, in a legal sense. And that's good. But he's even more than that. He's our legal advocate for God, but he's a loving legal advocate for us. What I've noticed in the last couple of years is when people get ready to die, they're getting older, their mind starts to go, they start to have dreams. And they dream crazy, vivid things. And they wake up from these dreams, and they're scared, and they think these things were real, and they, it was very real to them. They have these really very, very vivid dreams. And I've heard this from three different people in the last couple of years. But the person that they were taking care of was waking up, they're sick, they're dying, and they're having these very vivid dreams. And they wake up scared and afraid and feel guilt for something or they feel like they did something and their caretaker, either their wife or their husband, will start talking to them and they'll say, what's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. When did that happen? What time was that? And their wife or their husband or their caretaker will say, you know, that didn't happen. That's not right. We didn't live there in that time. You've never been there before. That feeling isn't right. That's not real. And they advocate for them. They advocate in a sense actually against them. The person's feeling this guilt and the advocate says, no, that's not right. That's wrong. Here's what's right. 
That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He is advocating for us, and sometimes He advocates against us to help us. He says to us, no, don't go that way, because I love you. Or he says, no, don't feel that way, because I love you. He's a legal advocate who takes care of us in our midst of our struggles and pain. He is our helper. He's our comforter. And it's to our advantage. The Bible says that this Holy Spirit does this for us. Because the Holy Spirit's the one that brings the presence of God to us and through us. That's what his job is. He brings to us the presence of God. God is to be experienced, not just known. And the Holy Spirit's the one who does this for us. A few weeks ago, actually a few months ago, I was having a really rough time. And I told the elders, I said, I'm going to go away for the morning. I said, I had to deal with some stuff. I was struggling emotionally, spiritually. So I went up to the cab, went to Starbucks, took my Bible, took some books, and I sat there and read. And I read, and I read, and I prayed, and I repented of some things, and I read. And as I was doing this, I was getting ready to go. So I got in my car, heading back here, and I had in myself a sense to go this different road, to take a different road, which I never take that road to come back the sandwich, but I said, okay. So I just turned, took the road, and as I'm driving past this road, I see this shop that was a place that I'd never been before, but we needed this service done. So I, I pulled around the block, I stopped at the store, I went in, and I started asking about what the person did and how I, they, they might be able to help us. And all of a sudden, it was just one lady that worked there, a really small shop. She starts telling me about her family and her life and the struggles she's having with her grandson and her kids. I've said nothing. I just walked in trying to get this done, and she starts telling me about her life. And finally, I just say, well, I'll pray for you. And she keeps going on and on. And she's saying, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I feel like I've known you for a long time. I don't know why I'm telling you this. And trust me, I'm not the most friendly people uh, person when it comes to those types of things. When I go to businesses, uh, Here's your money. I'm out of here. Teresa can go in and talk to people and ask nice questions and have great conversations. I'm like, let's get this thing done. So it's not normal for me to walk into a place and have this happen. She starts telling me about her her life. And finally I say, I am a pastor and I would be glad to pray with you. Could I pray with you right now? And she says, yes. And she lets me pray with her. And I walked out of there with great joy. And she has been calling me, and I've been praying with her for the last couple months, talking to her. I went and got a Bible out of my car and gave it to her. But I walked out, and and she said to me as we're walking out, she goes, I don't know, I don't know, I never do this. I never tell people like this. She goes, I don't know why I told you this. I I feel like I've known you forever. And I said to her, she she goes, I think God sent you here. And I said, I think God sent me here too. Because I needed you just as, you need, as much as I needed you. And I walked out of that store, and the sun was brighter. I was happier. And I was happier, and the sun was brighter, because God, the Holy Spirit, intervened. And His presence was known. And He 
allowed me to point this woman to Jesus. And when you point people to Jesus, there is joy in that. The Holy Spirit is to our advantage. He, he does this. He's the one that brings the presence of God to us and through us. And he creates in us this great joy. That's his job. He was my helper that day. He was my comforter that day. He was my advocate that day. And I experienced and I knew that God is working in my life and through my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But how do we participate? How do we participate with the Holy Spirit? How do we relate with the Holy Spirit? First thing we have to do to relate to the Holy Spirit is we have to respond to the first advocate. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Which means he's the first helper. To get the Holy Spirit, you have to have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have the Holy Spirit because the job of the Holy Spirit is to help point people to Jesus. And to tell people about Jesus. And if you have never known the first helper, if you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have that kind of a helper who can bring the presence of God into your life. The first thing you have to do is respond to the first helper. To know Jesus. To confess your sins. And to return to Jesus. The second thing is, is to not resist the second advocate. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The Holy Spirit's the one that wakes us up to see God. And then we are to respond in gratitude from our obedience. We don't obey to earn God's favor. We obey because we've been given God's favor. And as you do that, you're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit where He is going to work in you. Don't resist Him. Obey God. A.W. Tozer said to expose our hearts to truth and consistently refuse or neglect to obey the impulses it arouses is to stymie the motions of life within us. And if persisted in, to grieve the Holy Spirit into silence. Some of you may have sat through weeks and weeks of church and life or God's pointed something out in your life for months and years and years and you know, you know that you should repent. You know that you should obey. You know you should say yes and give it up. But you haven't done it yet. You just keep pushing it away. The Holy Spirit's voice will get more quiet in your life. And that's not a good thing for you. What we need is to not resist the Holy Spirit. Is there something in your life that you know is not right right now? That you've not repented of? That maybe you need to bring to the light? Even this morning, humble yourself before God means just that. To humble yourself before God. Say, God, I will obey. As painful as it may be, I will obey. I'm not going to resist the Holy Spirit anymore. I'll say yes. I'll obey. It might be scary. It might be frightening. But it's the greatest day of your life. If you will repent of whatever it is. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Humble yourself. Humble ourselves and hope in God. That's what the Holy Spirit helps us do. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Tonight the world is going to watch the world celebrate stories. People are going to dress up in fancy clothes. 
gather, and around the entire world, the whole world's going to stop tonight to watch us talk about stories, the best movies, and how they are best told. The First Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And it's all grace. Every movie that you watch really has the same story, doesn't it? It starts out okay. There's trouble. And then someone needs to come fix the trouble. Someone fixes the trouble. And then they end, most of them, in happiness. They end the way we want to often. That's the story of the gospel. Every story in the world is told that way. Because the ultimate story is we were in trouble. We needed help. We were broken. We needed a rescuer. Jesus came. He rescued us. And for those who will turn to him, they can know him. But no story that's ever been written, no play that's ever been made, no music that's ever been done, can compare to what God has for those who love him. That's the God that we have. Every ending that you love when you watch this movie, every story that you read and you're like, oh, my heart, yes, I was hoping it would end that way. And it's pounding out of your chest in excitement that this is so good. That's nothing, the Bible says, as compared to what God has prepared for those who love him. For those who know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's all of grace. And it's a great God that we have. And we need to behold Him. We need to obey Him. We need to not resist Him. And we need to humble ourselves before Him. Has the Holy Spirit been working on you in any way that you're resisting right now? Is there anything you're saying no to God about? Do you know God? Do you really, really know that you know God? Today would be the day to deal with it. To come to know God or to say yes to God. He's your comforter. He'll carry you through any of it and he will help us. Our job is to love him and to behold our God. Yeah.